The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. So it's a whole journey to understand that you can't say no, or, or maybe first to understand mm, there's something wrong. It makes me feel uncomfortable and it's not right. Until the point we perceive that what we've been given as normal, because at a certain level we perceive this as normal, they're just looking at my ass. And we take it as normal. And our whole being just shuts down. And then we're like, hey, there's something wrong here. And then next step is be angry about it. Mm. then speak about it, and then make peace with it, and then create a boundary in your reality. It's a wonderful chaos, random, messy and glorious. Solo or tandem? We work to find rest, and fight to find peace. Both head and the heart, like a nephew and niece. What are we doing here? You mean listening to this show? Where the more that you learn is the less that you know. Where the wounded are healer and the atheist pray? It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. Here we go. Hello, Mr. Shalef. Hello, Mr. Dimitrio. Today we have my dear friend for the second time, Stephanie Nicolau, who is in Nicosia in Cyprus. Mm. And we've already had her on the show, uh, Life as a Doula. I, I'm not sure of the title, but we spoke about her and her journey in helping women give natural birth. Yeah. And today we're going to discuss her journey on rape at 25. There we are. And uh, let, let's both agree, this is not, I like, I, I actually felt excitement because I'm going to get to spend time with Stephanie, mm-hmm. but the content did not excite me at all. And yeah. yet... I feel the trust and love. So yeah. where, where are we going to do this, Andy? We are going to do that on a wonderful chaos. So Stephanie today, uh, I um, it's funny because as you said in the intro, when I see or hear the, the I was raped to 25, right? That, that whole like – I realized we could have framed the discussion totally differently. We could have said overcoming adversity or sexual assault or in that softer, more gentle. And I realized that when when I write the titles, I want to show the visceral what one has to overcome, because I think we sugarcoat things so much that we don't realize that in on a very raw level, that's what the experience was. And that's what the person had to overcome. Hmm. So. When we talk to her today, of course, she's past that experience. But the rawness of the reality is that was the reality that she had to live with. And therefore, I, I like for us to really be honest about how intense it is and not not soften that. So I, I got goosebumps all over my body just hearing you frame that. And I'm, yeah. completely, I'm completely with you. Yeah. Let's so bring her on. I'd say we bring her on. Hello. Hello again. <laughs> I mean, you're in Cyprus. I, I made a post saying that in Cyprus, these subjects are normally very taboo. Mm. And yet you are, and you're, and you're talking about it with two guys in Amsterdam. 
I live by a philosophy that if something is overcomed inside, then it doesn't matter where you are, who you're talking to. And yeah, I feel I feel curious with what this going to be about. Mm. And I was actually surprised when Andy said that you feel uncomfortable because when you mentioned uncomfortable, I thought you meant me. <laughs> and I'm like, do I feel uncomfortable? Um, and I realize I don't feel uncomfortable. I, I feel ready to really bring this in the surface, not just for me, but for others as well. Yeah. Beautiful. I think the, the the theme that we always bring up on the show in the title of that second book I did was The Wounded Healer, of course. And then in some ways, um, I've seen that whenever I've made peace with something inside of myself, it's very easy for me to hold space for somebody else who is struggling there. Um, but there's another thing that we also can't deny is that um, if you have had this experience with men, right? And then now you have two men asking about it that, that we can't tell, for instance, where it bleeds into. Now you see that these people aren't conscious of things that are important for you. That that's where the, where the consciousness or the consciousness for me is, uh, is, is holding place because on other mm -hmm. subjects, I mean, I can do, I, you know, we could, you know, you know how we joke on the show and we'll play and we'll have fun and <laughs> and we'll do that to the degree that we see that the other person holds it lightly as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if they don't hold it lightly and we're joking, then it can really hurt and right? it can double hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say up front that um, if I feel uncomfortable, I'll share it. Yeah. <laughs> so you. Like you don't feel responsible for um, me feeling uncomfortable. St Stephanie, just to... Um kind of dive into this mm. who were you at the age of 25 because obviously the woman that i that i know in the last how long do we know each other now seven mm. eight years 2013 mm. Mm. who were you at the age of 25 mm. Mm. wow um i was at a stage where i have quit my job as an embryologist um, right when I started it, because I realized that that wasn't for me, because I was looking at my watch <laughs> when it was going to end. So um, I realized it wasn't for me. So I started really like traveling and in or going to a quest. It wasn't just traveling, just moving. It was going a, in a quest inwardly and that it manifested like traveling as well. So I was in this journey to meet myself deeper, let's say, to why I'm here on this planet. Um, what is my, what am I here to bring? What am I here to share? If it's not to definitely knew that I wasn't here to just watch my time passing by and waiting for, you know, the day to go, to go home and do something else. So mm. I was in a journey to find that. At this period in your life, like I, as I've been doing these sort of uh, coaching and training, it's it's uh, shocking the number of people who have been sexually assaulted. Like shocking. Mm -hmm. In fact, Bambos, we had a discussion where we often do we do shows on uh, the word no and the importance of no. 
and and how difficult it is to say no. And and one of the exercises when Bambos was doing his uh, his game nights was people yelling no in each other's face to experience that power. And what what came out of it was that women were triggered so strongly because of it, it brought up feelings when they didn't feel like they could say no. Yeah. It felt okay. like the whole space was possessed. Yeah. It's one of those things that we are um, silently growing up with. And it, it has so many levels. For example, saying no to a man that is looking at you, uh, looking at a woman uh, walking down a street. And I, and I feel, I felt it many times, and I'm sure many women have, being stripped off by the way, stripped off or stripped down? Like, stripped down, yeah. Stripped down by the way he's looking at her. And instead of saying, hey, what are you doing? And turn around, which I did after I <laughs> all this experience. This, um, we shut down our sexuality. We shut down our embodiment, really. So it's just like, mm. So there's a whole journey to first understand that you can't say no, or, or maybe first to understand mm, there's something wrong. It makes me feel uncomfortable and it's not right. Mm. But until the point we perceive that what we've been given as normal, because at a certain level we perceive this, oh, it's normal, they're just looking at my ass. And we take it as normal. And our whole being just shuts down. And then we're like, hey, there's something wrong here. And then next step is to speak about it uh, no, be angry about it, mm-hmm. then speak about it, and then make peace with it, and then create a boundary in your reality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a long journey <laughs> to say no. And and when you had – so your experience, now you, you said you had it at 25. You just came out of not wanting to be doing the work or whatever you were studying at that time. Embryology, is mm-hmm. that what, what – you so you mm. get out of that so it, you don't have to go into detail of the experience itself but help me understand how was it like before and after that experience so what in you changed and what did you have to like deal with or make peace with after it mm. so i feel like life takes us in no matter what way to meet our deepest calling so I now work with sexuality and help women embody their sexual and sensual nature, Mm. whether it is through healing for sexual abuse or just to improve the relationship they have with their own sexuality in their own body. So I feel that this is a big part of my work, what I'm here to bring. And life just brought me in a way to really see how I was so shut down. It opened a huge door to see like, (laughs) I started off like really feeling that um, being sexual is shameful. Mm. Um, Having sex is sinful unless the guy really marries me and makes sure I am safe with him in terms of like being um, taken care of in a way. So starting off from from there and moving all the way through this experience in feeling like I, men and women, we are both born in this body, which is our animal nature. And it's been 
really uh, sourced around with shame, guilt, and all these taboos around being in our body and being a sensual, a sexual animal. Um, and also it has been dangerous to be that, being in a female body. Sometimes also being in a male body, I guess, but I'll speak just in a, from my experience. So moving through all these doors and clearing one by one all the, all the beliefs that I was given and to come into more and more into what it feels to me as um, our authentic human nature. Mm. Um, yeah. It's interesting because as we speak and I ask you the questions, like I'm, I'm always, and this is something that I think that's a flaw, if I were to put it like that, of Bambos and I, is that I speak for me, but I saw Bambos did it in one of our last shows, is we often have this expectation that there was this terrible experience that happened after this, after the, the rape in AU25, and that that was something that was almost like you had like a pearl, you know, you had to bring in this dirt and it had to like, go through its metamorphosis and then be made into this pearl. And, uh, and, and, and I see that life isn't always that obvious. It isn't just like at 25, it happened. And then you, the next five years you were uh, uh, struggling or so in a weird way, I don't necessarily see how your experience at 25, what you had to go through to make that piece. Like what was, what would you say if there were stages of your journey, what did that look like? And maybe that's what I meant. Maybe it's assumptions that we make when we ask these questions. No, I, I understand totally. I didn't talk about the journey um, to get me where I am today. Actually, for years, um, that was very interesting because I was trying to resolve it inside me. But at the same time, I had it here at the background. So I knew that this happened to me. But I never named it. I never... Even admitted it to myself. So um, it was a generally intense period of my life because I had a, a huge opening happening or like an awakening happening in me. Um, <laughs> which I say now that the more we move into the light, that the the shadow needs to also come out. So that was part of my shadow. And it was funny because before, I'm deviating a little bit from the question, but I feel I need to say this. Um, before I had this experience, when I started realizing how we attract everything in our life by who we are and what we're vibrating, um, I got the question once, what about people who get raped? Do they want to get raped? I don't believe in what you're saying. And I'm like, yes, there is some part of them that is vibrating the opposite polarity, I'm a victim. Can well, we slow that like, down a second? What you just said yeah. was so, I mean, controversial in some ways. And mm -hmm. and I can honestly relate to with a vibration, you'll often find the counter to that. So as I hear you speak, it's not like you wanted it, obviously, but the fact that you became the victim to the, oh, we, we use these terms, I, I know that they're not necessarily perfect, but that there was someone looking for someone like you because that was the energy that they were looking to dominate, let's say. I would just put it in a general term so it's more understood. In, in terms of we live in a polarity planet. Mm -hmm. So... Of the, the aspect of any part of us that 
is willing to be a victim or sacrifice is attracting the opposite polarity of being abused, of the abuser mm. and the over-dominating power over. So all, both of these are in their shadow. So that means they're not integrated into their healthy aspect. So yes, it is pure physics for me that it happens this way. And, and there's like a very specific, it's a very specific string of a polarity because not everybody, we all have a victimizing aspect of us and uh, hopefully growing out of it throughout our lives. But for me, it just had to happen this way. And, and I really see why. Like I, obviously it wasn't, it wasn't easy um, if you ask me, like, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Like, if I had to list things, this would be one of the worst things that could happen to me. And yet, like, this whole journey shaped me into be who I am and, and to bring forward in the fastest way possible what I'm here to bring. Mm. It, might, it might have spent like another 10 years of my life not really embodying what I'm here to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. I want to go back into this point where it's at the back, it's at the background. And this is a, a mechanism that um, our uh, being uses to, to put at the back um, experiences that are very intense. So it's a natural survival mechanism, fight, flight, or freeze. So it remains frozen in the back. And something inside me was still trying to find a solution, still trying to like understand. And, and it was there, but really not, and not brought here to see it. So my journey brought me to do um, a tantric healing therapy course. Like to to be able to um, yeah um, heal through through tantra like body work uh, tantric body work and even there in the sessions where I was receiving it was coming out in in bits and pieces but never like room here it's in front of me I see it so after doing the the course and being trained and even working on people one day I was just meditating and. Somehow my meditation took me into my womb and one by one, all the ma men I slept with were coming in my awareness and almost like clearing the, the space of my, my womb from this imprint. And at one point, this man came and I, to be honest, I don't remember his name, although he was in the circle of like my... Um, I wouldn't say friends, but people I know, mm. I, and I knew his name. I don't remember his name up to this day. I don't remember his name. It just deleted it. So it just came. And I, I, I was like, whoa, I was so shocked to finally like, because in me, this, this healing process requires, um, it's like um, layers of an onion mm. that needs uh, its own time tools and consciousness and the right environment for it to come to the surface. Mm. So it just needed that specific moment for me to come out. And then from there was another round of big healing and big, like uh, releasing it from my cellular memory and, 
Mm, not so much like the story, though pieces of the story were coming into my memory again. It was more about releasing it from the imprint of my body and, mm. and, and finding the side effects that it had in me in a very sublime level. Yeah. And what, what were those side effects? Uh, like, for example, mm, being unworthy or being powerless. Mm, though, though I feel powerful in many aspects of my life, it's like these mm, streams of, 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 con- of unconsciousness or powerlessness in my case that they were still there. And um, it almost made me um, see how now I knew I had like teeth and, and claws and I knew that I could use them. Before I had them, but they were just there. <laughs> and like I know and I know how to access that and I know when to use it and where and and all this, all this, uh, what, what you mentioned before about boundaries and no, and it has mm. so many levels, even energetically. How did that experience also impact your relationship to men? Mm. Oh my God. Yes, of course. And, and I feel like to a certain extent, a lot of women have this, whether they've been abused or not. It's like this fear for the ma- for the masculine, the masculine power, of course, always in its in its unintegrated, unhealthy form, because this dynamic leaves with us. It's, it's alive everywhere in many levels of our lives. If in men, men have been hurt by it, women have been hurt by it. So um, it's more like my relationship to men was was more like improved through healing their relationship to myself, to my inner masculine, to my inner woman, my inner man, and bringing those, those elements into integration. So I see everything as a reflection. For example, attracting men that were not committed to me, not ready for commitment, which is one element of the immature masculine, for example. Um, so through all this journey, all these aspects of immature feminine and masculine were coming into my awareness and were really asking me to heal them through pain. Because life, no matter what, if we have a physical disease or emotional disease, we'll, we'll do everything to, to give us the right direction. And it does us mm-hmm. through uncomfortable emotions and, 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 and disease, physical disease, which are correlated, mm-hmm. of course. So... Um, so yeah, my relationship to men improved. Um, I stopped being, also stopped wanting to prove myself. I felt more safe being me. Um, I, I have to admit that I still have some subconscious, not so subconscious because it's coming up, like anger towards men. Um, not men in particular, like male, to so the male energy. I have some anger coming up um, in certain uh, triggers, um, through certain triggers, but that doesn't have to do with just my own experience. 
like healing my own experience is like giving access to this whoa deep wounding of the whole planet really mm-hmm. it's not just my story it's like collective. oh my god yes it's, it's so mm-hmm. collective this anger towards towards being abusive in general violation um mm-hmm. look how we do to what do we do to the planet what do we do to each other what do we do to our own bodies yeah so yeah my relationship to men is improving <laughs> more and more <laughs> I, yeah. I, I also know that in the, the last year you're in a I think in, in one of the deepest loving relationships you've ever been in as far as I know <laughs> yeah yeah it's mm. true and um, it, it is bringing some some of these leftovers of mm. of rage and anger and feelings of mistrust out So this is, Andy doesn't know about this, and yeah. I'm going to bring it up and see if you're comfortable discussing it, but along my journey, I was always a little bit in my head, like you, you were working with men in your house mm-hmm. on a one-on-one, and I always mm-hmm. felt really uncomfortable when you did that, especially when people would just call you, make an appointment, and a woman alone in a house, anything can happen. And um, the assumption that I always made was you wanted to heal the men. And back then, I didn't know what happened to you in the past. Like, what we, I discovered it during a photo shoot, right? So mm. can, you, can you speak a little bit about this part of your life? Yeah. Is it also sourced from, from the past experience? Um, it's interesting because after, like, going through this cycle of working with men, through um, tantric healing, so helping them with their sexuality. Actually, what I was doing, and now not working with men, just like focusing on women, what I was doing, it was healing my relationship to the masculine. And because I, I, I find myself a bit intense sometimes in terms of like, I want to test the edges and like go all the way to in the fire. So that's what I did. <laughs> I put myself literally in the fire in front of it to see like, to feel it to the bone, like how much, how do I relate with this? So it was almost like bringing what I was scared the most in my own house. So in a way you can say I was in control in this, in the sense that I created the space for it now So I manifested, manifested the mask, a masculine energy, the, the male, so I can see my own self around it, to be honest. And that by itself has had its own journey of me um, being, so, being called to be so in tuned with my intuition. Mm-hmm. And so sharp that I would get any, I would sniff any aspect of the masculine that was still in the shadow. And mm-hmm. I would name it straight away and, 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 and name it to the man that was coming to me for that reason. But, but because of my experience in, and my, let's say, kind of cautious space, I was like, mm, 
I may have been also a bit protective of myself, obviously. Mm. Um, but in that space, I was able to bring out the, the healing for me and for them. Did you run into any uncomfortable situations there or was it really like you had the container, you invited them in and you knew how to manage it? Or were there times when you're like, okay, this has gone to a place that I'm not comfortable anymore? Hmm. Well, I I did have, but hmm, then every time it was about catching my intuition and being so one with it hmm. so that I don't need to experience anything that is beyond my boundaries hmm. because that was the very thing that brought me into having the experience of sexual abuse in the first place yeah that's what it is because if you ask me what i could have done differently if i knew if i had any sense i would say yes i did i did Sometimes we need to go through the experience to understand like, oh, my God, I knew this. I had that feeling. Um, I, I caught myself feeling um, uh, uncomfortable and I still did it. And it's kind of uncomfortable when you want to break through your boundaries and, 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 and expand your edges. But it's different to your intuition when it speaks to you twice and says, like, don't go there. Yeah. Yeah, we did a, we did a show recently called Trusting Your Experience. And and what you're speaking to is exactly that. Like there's but if you're shut down, then you don't actually allow to you don't allow yourself to hear what the experience is. And then so really what we're saying is actually getting rid of the filter and saying, Wow, this doesn't feel right, and then acting on it. And that that's something that mm-hmm. I think takes time and as you say, takes some mistakes. Because you're like, Oh, I did it once, I'm never gonna do that again. Yeah. Well, I love how you connected that, Andy. <laughs> yeah, but this is it. That's that's the intuition. I mean, there's a what what I what I've noticed as you spoke and you said in the background, you know, like mm. I know <laughs> I know all of that background life for the years of that background, like the noise that was there that didn't feel right, but like I didn't have a guiding principle or a guiding sense of what made sense. So everything was arbitrary and and you know, on yesterday's show, I think that, that or maybe it was another show, was that freedom is the absence of choice, was my mentor always used to say that. And um, and it, because there's something so much bigger that you don't even have a choice anymore. You're guided by what just is right. And, and there's a, and not righteousness, it's not blaming as if, no, it's just, you know, it's right. And it guides you. And there's something there that I took away from our doula discussion I mentioned when we began, was that I'm like, oh, I see our lives are dedicated to something bigger. If you try to explain it to somebody, then they'll, they'll, they'll try to make maybe more sense of it than they should. In a way, it's like, no, it's a deep sense of knowing and you know when it's off. And and, and, mm-hmm. and allow that to guide you. Yeah. yeah. And that comes into um, how we are trained and or growing up with to, um, or like putting the mental navigation on, on a pedestal and ignoring anything, first of all, that we cannot see with our yeah. eyes or yeah. count, which is our intuition, but also the wisdom of our body. So I, I feel that part of this journey has made me in a, in a become much more one with, with these two factors that are, are tend, tend, tend to be like ignored by the, the collective 
of how yeah. we used to grow up because I feel like we're moving in another era now of how we're mm. meant to be as humans. Yeah. Uh, so it just really brought me into this. You're not this. It's like you're moving from here, from this intelligence and from your body. How does that really feel? So, yeah. Yeah, we talk about that with you, Bambos, when we say I've often used the word sensual. Like, I feel like you go through the world with a very sensual intelligence. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, I, I feel like I was trying to tune into the guy that raped. The, hmm. and who was he? Like, like, just as an energy, as like, like, did you, did you ever try to like tune into who was this person and what, what made him do what he did? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, I'll say it. If it doesn't make sense, let me know. I'll, I'll tell you more about it. But I feel, well, I know now after decoding what happened and the continuation of the events that led to the physical abuse because the abuse started not from a physical space, but from a metaphysical space, let's call it black magic, which was like... um. I don't like to use terms, but I'm going to use it for this one, for this specific one. I feel it was black magic. Like, I know it was because it was meaning what I mean by that. It was a conscious, um, intent, in, intentful manipulation, energetic manipulation. Hmm. So from what I came to understand through my, this whole decoding of my experience, there are these beings that they call power beings which are taking over the, the some human the some human bodies and they act through them and even after having this experience i was not believing it because i was like no this is bullshit even though my intuition my knowing was like i know what i saw and i know what happened and i was like no this is bullshit so after going through all these doors, I now can say that this is the truth. So these power beings will take over people that are, um, some people are aware of it and they're using it on purpose and some others are not. And they're just very passive and unconscious. So the more of our consciousness is not there, it gives space to unconsciousness to enter and, and act through us, let's say, whatever you call them, beings or whatever. Um, so there, there are people that are aware that they're um, giving their power away with, um, let's say, um, the trap to get power because they're thirsty for power. Mm. So by that being taking over them, it's like it's giving them power. But they're giving their power away, really. Yeah. So the, that's how it started, by this guy that knew that he was using this and he felt powerful. But he didn't, he didn't sexually abuse me physically. He was just doing the energetic, energetic part. And then um, I was in Portugal at the time and I thought I was denying it. I put it at the back because I was so confused. I didn't have any guidance. I, I felt I, I don't believe this. this. I was denying my own reality, basically. And then I left and I went to the States. And that's where I've met this guy 
we were working at a farm together um, at the point, and um, he was there in a in a normal in the day. It was just like you know a guy that was um, unconscious. I would say in the sense of mm, I don't I don't like to put labels or judge. He was smoking a lot of weed and having this parasitic kind of energy. Mm. For me, it's like there's nothing wrong with people that smoke weed. I'm, um, it's just like a space where I am just giving life um, away, you know, in a way. I'm giving life away and I'm just expecting for the river to take me without me doing anything. But mm. <laughs> this can be interpreted in many ways. We're all taken by the river of life. This is not what I want to say. No, but um, I got your picture. I, I know when you say the parasitic energy, and and it's not that it's equated directly with smoking weed, but I also can I see the persona you're 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 sketching here. It's mm-hmm. it's someone who's li- not n- living not a very active life and sort of waiting for stuff to happen around them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um, I feel like he was attracted to me. Um, but, um, he, he wasn't directly expressing that mm-hmm. he wasn't necessarily strong or it's interesting because I never actually tune into him because mm. what was, I know that what beat the action wasn't his soul, let's say. It was that um, I, I really, I really believe is that other another entity is an entity, and then from what I realized after through my experience with like healing through um, um, facilitating and holding space for other women, there is a general like energy that has been um, running through. Um, our let's say collective field as we have the light we have the darkness as well mm. so so yeah i, be, I believe that he, he was taken over mm. by that yeah. mm, to Possessed. be able to do it because when i was in that space of danger let's say or um just to mention he he gave me drags he dragged me to sexually abuse me. So you can say that I was in this altered state of being as well. And because I'm very energetically sensitive, I could I I could see a lot of things and sense a lot of things. And I have I have clarified which of those things were my fears and how my mm. fears were presenting that and what of that was a fact. Mm. That now is a fact for me for my reality. Yeah. Mm. Uh, after the event, I'm assuming that there was a lot of shame and denial until you could find peace with it. I didn't even I didn't even feel shame. I felt so unsafe, like being in another country um, on my own, and I, I just felt I couldn't trust anybody, which again made me so sharp. But at the same time, I was in this fight or flight state. For a, for a long time, my nervous system. Now I understand about the nervous system and how it responds to trauma and stuff like 
oh my god i don't know how i went out of there but like i knew i had to leave i knew i had to leave the place i didn't know what to, who to trust it felt like i was shifting from this paranoia state everything is dangerous into um bring yourself together follow like it was very 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 intense mm. i didn't know who to speak to i was just like this guy is dodgy i don't even know what i was saying to people but i knew how to leave that place and i did mm. and i feel like I, i i remember saying wherever there are demons there are also angels like i really got to see that 100 like the the polarity of like this density of darkness exists there but also this density of like light exists at the same space so yeah i just went there and it kind of like um i moved to another place and stayed there for a little bit more in the country but i felt so unsafe not shameful no so unsafe so confused so um Uh, at the same time, though, that was one part of me. The other part was like so strong and so um, sharp in my intuition. Essential hmm. guidance, from, as you said. From, <laughs> yeah. I'm always curious from that moment, like what is the what were like the major things that needed to happen for you to heal from that? Because you've had you had that experience. So mm. were there pivotal moments in your life you said this is what i needed to make peace with in order to move on can you remember such moments mm. first i want to say that i i'm as i mentioned before consciousness escapes the body in traumatic situations so that mm. we don't feel it and and that's i i know that that's what was happening to me i was out of my body when it was yeah. happening really totally out i had visions of like another dimension that was just not there mm. Um, uh, until one point that I just got up and pushed him and, um, and, and I just looked at him and said, enough, you're not doing this. I'm out of here. Like I managed, I managed, actually managed to get my power. Mm. And it was so interesting because I feel that moment was so important for me. I was out of my body and something just woke me up. As I said, I was so dragged and and passive on the floor and i just like pushed him and looked at him with like i feel like if i i, I saw myself in the mirror i would be scared looking at myself it was yeah. so strong it's like a panther it's just like don't don't do that don't you ever do that again i just looked at him and i whoa i felt like a power from like lifetime mm. um i feel it was important that it happened right there in that moment so i feel that was the first the first thing and then as i said i i, I got it back back in my background for many years and yet i was looking to understand the metaphysical aspect was also involved and was making me really confused there were no clear answers so pieces were coming pieces of the puzzle were coming bit by bit mm, but tantric healing therapy really helped me and like me I almost feel like my call to to be a tantric healing therapist and working with sexuality was because I, I needed healing myself um so so I was gravitated towards that and that was a big part of it um because 
the trauma had to be moved out of my body. We, no matter how much talking we do about it, it doesn't work. It just has to be moved from the cellular memory, meaning that the pieces of the consciousness that remains frozen has to feel safe to come back. Yeah. To come back in. And, and I feel like Bamboo's witnessed me in one of mom- moments like that. I was going through this healing so much on my own and like releasing all the trauma that were coming in bit by bit and crying it out and shouting and uh, letting it out through my body. But at one point, I just like really felt I wanted to be held. And I, I felt I wanted to be held by a man that I feel like we hold keys for each other and we, it, our physical body actually needs each other at some point to really bring all the experience into integration. And Bambas happened to be there, and I feel like you, you helped me, and I was crying, remember? Yeah. So I just like, oh, my God, I, I really needed that. Mm. Um, I feel like I had hugs before, but it was the right moment and the right – it had to be a man. Like, it really had to be a man. Um, so, like, I'm really grateful for that. <laughs> Being held in safety, I feel, is one of the most um, important elements of that. And that's, I would say, what tantric healing therapy does. So, and another pivoting moment was um, when I was actually in a training and one of the women was working on me. Um, um, So so the sexual abuse didn't happen from the vagina. It happened from the anus because I pushed him in that moment. I had, I found, I knew I, I, I couldn't have him inside my vagina. Like I knew it, something just like, you're not going in there. So he just went in the anus. And because I was with drugs, I didn't feel pain in that sense. I was out of my body anyway. So, um, so yeah, there was a training that we're doing anal work for releasing like specific muscles of the pelvic floor. Um, and I didn't think I would have any trauma coming up because by that point I was working on it a lot. And yet it was the first time that someone was going in the same area in terms of like purposefully for healing, let's say. Um, so, yes, it's just a big part of it came out. <sighs> I, I can't deny listening to you. My, my stomach turns turned a hundred times. <laughs> mm. Mm. When you work with women, Stephanie, mm. who have had a similar experience, mm-hmm. uh, at least at least when I work, if I'm with people who have had similar traumas as me, I I get to relive my own pain. Mm. How how do you experience that? I feel, I actually feel empowered. Um, And I feel, uh, a part of me feels very empathic. And I actually had to work with that because at that point I have to be there for the other person. Hmm. And being empathic in a line of like actually empathizing in the the level that I, I can't, that a part of me cannot truly be there for them was showing me that I still had work to do. 
So I feel that it's not about not feeling each other because we're we are, are it's our human nature to feel each other. But if I'm reliving my trauma, that means it's still a trauma. Yeah. Um. So I feel I feel empowered to be doing this, and because mm, there is no other modality that can actually go into the, the same area and go through this whole map that holds the cellular memory and, and release, release it from the body and hence the nervous system and the brain. Yeah. Mm. You know, when I, I was thinking, because I'm, I'm a bit older than both of you, I remember when I was dating and I went out with women who had had sexual assault or molestation in their, in their past, it was incredibly hard to have sex Mm. from, and, and and since I was empathetic, there was, uh, I remember one, one woman, she would leave her body and then, yeah. And then, and then, and then I would feel like I, like it then would feel like rape from my, from my experience. Cause now she's not here to even say yes or no to what's going on right now. Hmm. And so I remember, and, and, and I didn't have the faculty to deal with it at that time. I remember just being incredibly uncomfortable and, um, mm. and, and it, it hurt even more because I would try to to bring forward the topic, not 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 as the complaining partner, more as the loving. But I also realized I wasn't I wasn't the the psychiatrist for this person, but but it was such an issue that I needed to address it in a loving way. And it was hard because the more the the person shared, the less I could do, and 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 it did nothing. I I couldn't change anything, and yet I felt a deep deep helplessness. Um, and, and, and eventually I just had to end the relationship because I just didn't know where to go. There was just not a, there was just no avenue that I saw or, or, or had access to at that time in my life. And, and I could imagine that, you know, there's a, the trauma that the, that the woman has. And then the man that comes out afterwards doesn't know how to, how to even be with that, with the, it, with the woman. And it create, created for me, it happened on at least two or three occasions, a lot of confusion. Oh wow! It's very interesting to hear your perspective as a man. I've never put myself in that space because that's what it happens. And you're right; it's such an it's such an delicate subject. It's so real for the person when the trauma is triggered. Um, the, the people go out of their bodies because it's like it brings it up, and you need to have the right tools to hold space for these people. Oh, I could imagine it's really difficult. And actually this has been one of my rules first for myself. Um, but also when my, and my sharing my work with women, you need to be in your body in order to have sex, in order to first in the healing, that's the job of the healing is to bring that, keep bringing them back to feel what's there. So that. The consciousness doesn't escape anymore, but in in the in the sexual relationships, we need to be in our bodies. Otherwise, who who you're having sex with? Like, there's nobody there. <laughs> it's just like an empty vessel. Yeah. A lot of times, Stephanie. Actually, even last week, 
I, I met one of my ex-lovers who it was a very brief moment and I had the same experience as Andy. She would leave her body and I, I talked about it. It's like, "Hun, where do you go? It's like at some point you're not there anymore. And she, she wasn't even aware that it was happening. Mm-hmm. She, she, she embarked on a journey from childhood abuse. And I'm not going to talk too much about it. Um, but then she went on a journey of, uh, being a kind of dominatrix and always being the dominating partner with men. And it felt that that was her way of coping with, with sex. If I'm in power, then I don't have to deal with whatever's there, but she wasn't even aware that she was abused. So do you work with women still? I, I work with women. Yes. Because yeah, I realized my path me into this and like tell me focus on this now and, and what you mentioned about not knowing it this is where I said the first step is recognizing that you actually have because uh, our, our collective experience normalizes abuse in many levels and, and so so much that we don't even know we've been abused a woman is abused her body is abused every time that a man just pulls out of her when, he, when they have sex so fast. So that's abuse. So it comes with awareness from both male and female and the way we mm, treat ourselves and then each other so that we mm. stop recreating the cycles of, of abuse. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's part of the pattern as well. Bambos and I've discussed it as well. And you mentioned it at the beginning of the show is that uh, there is this uh, attraction to the weak female, however the terms you use, you know, that the, the not to victimize, but to take care of. So the caretaker. And, uh, mm. and, and I see that that was a very much an early, uh, an early, uh, earlier uh, prototype that I would go to, to find and take care of. And then it was much later that I saw that those relationships, you know, you want to take care of and then they don't do the things you want them to do. And then you resent them for not doing those things. And then it gets ugly. The relationship, <laughs> you know, Bambos nods his head up because he knows that I know. Um, but the, the I went through more cycles than you did probably Bambos to get there. So um, at least at least that you got that going for you. <laughs> um, but what, I guess what I'm saying is, is that when you talked about the light and the dark energies and the extremes attracting one another, I certainly could identify with that for many of my earlier relationships in life. Mm, It happens in so many levels, but to be honest, it really starts within ourselves Mm. because what you mentioned about the relationship of attracting people who need help, there is part of us uh, because I attract that too. Um, that that is willing to sacrifice for to that very fine line between love being not selfish but also not sacrificing. So it's again integrity, <laughs> integrity in love. So why am I am I seeking validation because I'm, I'm and I, I seek that through helping. Because when I'm helping, I'm validated. So there's all these questions. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Have you got any final comments, Bambus? I love you, Steph. Yeah. I love you. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it down.